This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. On this evening, we are talking about having the assurance of the presence of our God. And we started this out talking about peace that belongs to us. And if you want to have the assurance of real peace, have the assurance of the Master's presence. Glory to God. And don't forget this. He brought us in to Himself. He brought us close to Himself by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and by no effort of your own. That's where we start. But we have to be mindful. This has been our, at least my continuous refrain time and time again. But God's not going to be mocked. God doesn't play games like we like to play games. And God's not going to argue. God's just going to be God. In the Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse number 1, it says, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you. Again, I like that because that's where we started. This is the start of our new life. Now, now remember this. The assurance of his presence comes with the manifestation of his presence, and it is not external. It is internal. Amen. And I, I understand faith is not knowing, but I understand when people don't have the words, when they say, I know that I know that I know, it means that they have an assurance. That's what they're trying to say. And it's not external. You can't tell necessarily by where they live. You can't tell by uh, where their children go to school. Uh, you can't tell by how much money they make because it's not external. It's on the inside. But that's where we all start out as new believers, as converts. As new creations, I should say. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you, while ye be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And I want to say today, in this time that we live in, too many people don't know their God. And they think that God owes them something by the virtue of where they started. But God makes it plain right here because Asa started in a good place. But God knows us. He says, Asa, all Judah, all Benjamin, all church of the living water, every saint that's out there in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord is with you while you be with him. And so what we want is we want the assurance of his presence. Now, how do we have the assurance of his presence? We went over this. We, we must have a proper response. You see, you see, because he, by grace, has brought us close to himself, but after receiving grace, we must respond to that grace. And what is that response? We said we must have a repentant, faithful, obedient life in which we remain. Now, now get this about repentance. Repentance means that I'm going to stay humble before him. I'm not going to get full of pride. Then I'm going to continue in a faithful and obedient life in which 
we remain, in which we continue. You know what that means? It means abide. It means persevere. It means that things won't always externally be right. But just because the external... See, some people don't understand where your joy comes from. It's not external. It's because I have an assurance. And again, that assurance comes when I continue in a repentant, faithful, obedient life in which I remain. That becomes my habitual practice. It is not something that I have to be reminded about after so long. Now, you may have to be reminded about it when you first get started, but after a while, you don't have to be reminded. See, you you begin to conform completely. Amen? So again, how do we assure ourselves of His presence? We continue. We continue with Him. Again, He says it to us right here, the Lord is with you while you be with Him. We have to stay with Him. As long as we stay with Him, we will be oh. Okay, and we came to this point where we said we must make provision for God in our life. And what did we mean by making provision for God in our life? We said when we make provision for God in our life, we give God space. We give God room to work in our life. And don't get it twisted. God doesn't need anything from you. He's not hard up. He is a supplier. And it's not that he wants something from you. He wants to do something in you. He's on your side. And when we do not make provision for God, we limit God and what he wants to do in our life. So we make provision for God. We give God room by how? We obey. Obey what? This is why we spent some time talking about this. We obey the teachers he has given us. We walk in what we have been taught. Amen. Glory to your name. You see, a lot of people are out there going to church but not walking what they've been taught. And they have an expectation of God, but they have no assurance of his presence. I'm telling you, today, I believe this is one of the major problems with the Christian community. We have an expectation of what God is going to do that comes from our mind when we don't have the assurance of his presence. Amen. Glory to your name. Yeah, we might put his name on it. But that's external. Yeah, yeah, we, we, might put, we might put some biblical name that we pulled out the Bible on it. On our endeavor. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> See, we do that because uh, here's the other way we make provision for God. We don't make provision for the flesh. We saw it in Romans chapter 13 because we do a good job of making provision for the flesh. What we do when we make provision for the flesh is we organize our life to make sure that what we want in the flesh is taken care of when the opportunity arises. We do a very good job of that. And James told us, go to ye that say today and tomorrow, here's what I'm going to do. When you should have said, is it God's will? And he said, that's evil to do such things. Wow. And so what we do is we practice evil when we don't have God in our thoughts. Hmm. Turn to Psalms chapter 10. Now, when I say that, understand this. Are you calling me evil? Well, if the shoe fits. But, let me say it this way. You know, you don't have to be a fool to do foolish things. 
but you don't want to be a fool, so don't continue in foolish things. <laughs> you hear me? We may make mistakes and do evil things, and that doesn't make you evil. But if your practice is to continue, especially after you've been told, how do they say it when, when I was young and they were old? Watch out now. <laughs> Psalm chapter 10, verse number 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, what, what did we say our response was going to be? We started with a repentant response. A humble response where there is no pride, but the wicked has pride. And the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. And I told you, when I read this, I read God is not in the wicked's thoughts at all. And what do we do? We make plans without God in our thoughts. And we do the acts of the wicked. But we have an expectation that when we do whatever we had planned to do... uh, Again, I'm, I'm going to keep this. When we fulfilled our plotting and didn't do any praying, then we expect God. We expect. We have an expectation. We're talking about his assurance, the assurance of his presence. We're not talking about the expectation you might have. But they expect God is going to bless what they plotted to get once they have it. But let me tell you this. It rains on everybody. I'm sorry. And when it rains on your plotting plans that came through for you, which would you rather have? Would you rather have the plans that are fading away or the assurance of his presence? But the wicked don't have God in their thoughts. And we do wickedly when we make plans without God in our thoughts. So how do we make provision for God? We obey. We walk in what we've been taught. How do we make provision for God? We do not make provision for the flesh. And this is where we left off at. How do we make provision for God? We put God first. Amen. We put God first. Turn to Matthew chapter 22. And remember, his presence is better. Amen. His presence is better. Now, we said this about putting God first. I'm not saying that you are just somebody who speaks King's English every time somebody talks to you. I'm not saying that you're somebody who only reads the Bible, doesn't read any other book. I'm not saying that you only watch Christian TV. And sometimes that's worse than watching Young Justice (laughs) and Star Wars. At least I know those things are (laughs) make-believe. But what I'm saying is that when I need to decide, When I need to plan, God's in all my thoughts. I'm going to go back to the previous teachings, the series right before this. When I consider dating, God's in my thoughts when I'm talking about dating. When I consider going to school, God's in my thoughts when I consider going to school. 
When I'm looking for a new job, God's in my thoughts when I'm looking for a new job. When a promotion is offered me, God is in my thoughts when the promotion is offered. Before I make a decision. That's putting God first. Matthew chapter 22. Are you there? Verse 36. Well, let's start at verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he, being Jesus, had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? You know what he's asking. He's like, what's the primary? What's numero uno? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with some of your heart, and with some of your soul, and with some of your mind. No, 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 I'm sorry. Did I say something wrong? I did? Okay, let me, let me read this. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with, oh, I'm sorry, all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Jesus said this, God has got to come first. <laughs> Again, I think I may mention this in passing, but when you are filling out your benefits on the workplace, maybe on the health side, like who do we contact in case of emergency? God says, I should have been the first one that came to your mind. I should have been the first and the last. Say, I've got to come first. And when we talk about who's going to benefit from your gain, God says, I should have came first. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. You see, the thing that combats those thoughts, that wars in your mind against that, is your fleshly covetous attitude. The fleshly covetous attitude says, me first. And then I'll break you off a piece, God. But we have the expectation of God. When we do those things, that when I need you, God, you're going to be there. But God says, I'm with you as long as you're with me. See, and we make the error of Cain and think, God, you ought to accept what I give you. But God says, no, 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 no. I'm with you as long as you are with me. See, do not get it twisted. Peace is when I'm with God and God is with me. Not when I go where I want to go and I expect God to stay with me. He leads, I follow. Haggai, you know, I gave you all a week to find the book of Haggai. Let's turn there. And I want to see if you're Matthew, it's just a couple books over. <laughs> you like how I did that? I didn't tell you earlier, I just walked you into that. Haggai. I'm telling you, it really is just a couple books over. You know, it's just, you know, get out of the Old Testament, get into the New Testament. Zachariah, before you know it, Malachi, Zachariah, you, you'll be there. Haggai. Haggai chapter 1. Let's start at verse 2. This is the word of God. Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, 
This people say, the time has not come. What time? The time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, is it time for, I'm sorry, but I always got to stop here because I just see us. You know, this might be talking about a different time period, but man is man. You know, you know what they were doing at that time? They were living like all is well. See, externally, things seem to be okay. But the assurance of his presence, the manifestation of his presence is not external. It's not on the external conditions. It's on what's going on on the inside. And here's the thing about it. When you don't have the assurance of his presence, something's just not settled. There's a lack of confidence there. Again, I want you to recall the former days when you were first enlightened, when you were first illuminated, and you had a confidence that no man could take away from you. But if you moved away from that space, if instead of drawing closer, you ended up moving further away from him, that same confidence cannot remain today. Restore the joy of thy salvation. Renew a right spirit within me. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying that this people say, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? And this, my house, lie waste? Is that what time it is? <laughs> I'm sorry. I always laugh at that because I go back to, I forget what movie it was, when Samuel Jackson had the Jerry Curl and all, and I think it was school days. He said, what time, what time it is? <laughs> God said, God is asking, do you know what time it is? You think it's time for you to live in your sealed houses. Now, now I don't know what people, and I haven't studied it out like that, I don't know what people think about sealed houses. I think there's some debate on whether or not it, it, it represents Luxury houses. I don't necessarily believe that they were living in a lap of luxury. But I do believe sealed houses represents this. You finished your house. You finished your house, but my house is lying in waste. But you think it's all right. You think you're okay because your houses are sealed. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Well, I, I, this, is, this is just God just being God. He's like, hey, 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 I've sat back and I've given you an opportunity to get it right, but you haven't. So let me make it plain to you. Yeah, you got all the external stuff. Remember, we said this. Do not confuse having goods with being good. So you may have some goods, but you're still missing some things. Now, therefore, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You sow much and bring in little. Amen. So you working hard. And then you got to keep working hard. You're like, when can I retire? You eat, but you stay hungry. You have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. And you're still thirsty. You clothe you. But there's none warm. I mean, you got clothes on, but you still don't. Something's not right on the inside. You might have the goods, but something's wrong. You're not good. Look at this. 
and he that earneth wages, you got the good job. You make the money, but he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. You can't even keep the much you make. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build a house. And I will take pleasure in it. You know what he's saying? I didn't take pleasure in your houses. <laughs> I don't care if you live on Shekinah Avenue. <laughs> you named your avenues after my glory. I'm not pleased with that street or your houses. If my house lies waste, well, you live in your sealed houses. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build a house and I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, said the Lord. Look at this. You look for much and lo, it came a little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, said the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is waste and ye run every man unto his own house. See, that's covetousness. I'm concerned about me and I'm not concerned about the things of God. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. Do you see what he's saying? Because you left the assignment I gave you, you started walking somewhere where I was not walking. You lost out. Amen. Glory to you. Now, you see, you, you don't understand. This is one of, we've gone over Ephesians time and time again. At least we made mention of it. And when we were called the uncircumcised by that which is called the circumcision, that at that time, one of the conditions he said that we had was we were without hope. Now, we didn't know it. <laughs> we learned to live ignorantly. And, and you know the saying, ignorant is bliss. So we, in our ignorance, thought we were doing good, but we had no hope. Not until hope came did we realize how sad a condition we were living in. And some people are accustomed to living without the assurance of his presence and think they're living all right. And you're missing out. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labor of the hands. But you, do you hear what he's saying here? And I go back to the messages we begin on, on Sunday morning. This even goes back and applies to Cain. It's like, yeah, you're not doing right now, but start to do right. And, and this is what I like. God says, okay, you're in a condition, consider your ways, it's messed up, but if you get to my work, I'll take pleasure in it. Somebody ought to leap in the inside for joy. You could have spent day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, outside of his will. But he says today, if you will hear my voice and harden not your heart, hallelujah, I'll take pleasure. Again, if you seek him, he will be found of you. What a wonderful Savior. Blood so magnificent. That it far outweighs any sin, any disobedience. So, so God's got to come first. Otherwise, God is not cooperating with your plotting, your scheming, 
and your planning. But again, what do we do? We plot, we scheme, we plan, we execute, and then we expect God to come through. Turn back to Second Chronicles. We're going to look at chapter 16. Second Chronicles chapter 16. I want you to know Asa was doing some wonderful, some marvelous, some excellent things. And I'll mention this about uh, Haggai, if you ever get a chance to go back there. They were commissioned to do a work. They started the work and they stopped. You know why they stopped? Because there was opposition. Uh, But remember, you know, there's an expected response. And that response is, we're to remain, we're to abide, we're to persevere. So they had started in a good spot. God was definitely with them when they got started. But when they left off of what God had given them to do, they had walked away from God and didn't even know it. And God was not pleased. But this tends to be the cycle of man. It tends to be the cycle of man. But we've got to fight to not let that be us. Second Chronicles chapter 16. Uh, listen, and it'll be plain to you. Asa took much comfort. He was energized. He was... He, he just... He found what he needed when God said, I'm with you. And he went about to do God's work. But come chapter 16, something happened. In the sixth and 30th year of the reign of Asa, the Asha king of Israel came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasuries or out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria that dwelt at Damascus, saying, now, I'm not going to read all this, But check this out. Asa, in the time of his trouble, took from God's house to give to somebody of the world to help him out. Isn't that how we do? God's the first one that has to sacrifice when it comes to our plans. So here it is. And I'll have you know, you have to go back and you have to read about Asa because he was outmanned, out-resourced early on. And what did he do? He didn't go to some other nation. He cried out to God. And God did something that was marvelous, outstanding, and delivered them. But now, as time has gone on, he's got a little good. Things seem to be going right. And somewhere along the line, he forgot where his blessings came from. And so he goes, he makes uh, this league with ben and and, and uh, what happens is uh, they come and they scare Israel away. And then when they go away, Syria goes away. And now God says, okay, now, now you got through with your plots and your schemes. Verse 7. And at that time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God, Therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped 
out of thine hand. Now again, I, I can't emphasize this enough to you. The trouble had left. And he did not involve God. And I'm sure when the trouble left, he felt some form of relief. But he did not know what he had done. You see, he treated the symptom when God would have solved the ailment. Would have gave him complete healing. I'm telling you, his presence is better. There is no comparison. So he said, left his presence. And, missed, and limited God and what God wanted to do because Asa was not with him. Verse 8, were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, the Lord delivered them into your hand. Look at this in verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. He says, I was ready to help you. I was ready to deliver the enemy into your hand. Because my eyes run to and fro. I just want the opportunity. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. In verse 10, here's how, I'm, I'm telling you, people are people. Then Asa was mad with the seer. <laughs> said, man, would you come up here telling me the word of God like that? You ain't from God. Why are you getting mad when you know it's the truth? No, you didn't call on God this time, but no, you called on God the first time. No, that God had delivered you. So you know he wasn't speaking a lie. But we get mad at the preacher. We get mad at them. I'm going to go change my church. That does not change your position with God. Asa was wroth with the seer, put him in a prison house, for he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. You know, that's just sad. Your problem is that you're going to stay with God and everybody else has to pay. That's what I'm telling you. You know, I, I'm, I said this very early on in the teaching. But it's a sad thing to have church police. Because you're trying to mess up everybody else's life. You ought to concentrate on making sure you're in the right position with God. That's a person without peace. So in Asa's end, God did not come first. In his comfort, he took God with him for granted. Amen? That's why he got mad at the seer. You mean I can't do my own thing and God stay with me? No, you can't. You can't do that. And I'm telling you, America spouse out, God is with me. Why do you say that? You know why we say that? Because we got the biggest military. Oh, you know, that can change. Why do we say that? Because our, econo our economy is so good. Because we got more money than other places. You know what? That's external. And we take for granted, because of what's going on externally, that God is on our side. Ooh, boy, I, ooh, you make me want to go some places. Because don't you understand that Babylon was the sword of God? But God wasn't with them. And where's Babylon today? Hmm. See, we take God's being with us for granted. The church at large. We think because we have butts that fill seats. 
that God is with us. Amen. Glory to you. You better go talk to Gideon. Gideon had a good number and God says, you know what? If you want to be with me, you've got to get rid of them. Hallelujah. And you know what Gideon said? I'd rather have your presence than a big offering. His presence is better. I'm sorry, I've got to go here. Because this has just been in my spirit. It goes over. Daniel in the lion's den. When you talk about Daniel in the lion's den, do you remember that record? Do you remember that story? The king and Daniel were tight. Daniel didn't have anything against the king. I would dare say that king was his friend. And when the king made a decree that was against Daniel's God, you know what Daniel said? I'd rather have his presence than a friendship with the king. And here's the thing about it. I'm going to go back to expectations because we have expectations of God. You know, when the assurance of his presence, there does come an expectation. But here's the expectation. That he's with me. Now, no, you didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. You see, because I don't believe Daniel had an expectation of God that God was going to make sure he didn't get in trouble. Because he did not follow the king's order. He just knew this. If I do what God wants me to do, God will be with me. Uh, see, because he hung with Azariah, Mishael, and uh, uh, Hananiah, Ezra, and Mishael. He hung with them. And remember what they said at the fiery furnace? Now, God is able, but if He doesn't. I don't have an expectation of God that He's going to deliver me out of this, but I do have an expectation that because I've walked with Him, He's going to be with me. And His presence is better than being saved from the fire. Daniel said His presence is better than being saved from the lions. And I believe this, when Daniel went into the lions, he did not have an expectation of what God was going to do. He just had the expectation and the assurance that God was with him. He said, God, I don't know how. I don't know what you're going to do. Don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're with me. And I know this, your presence is better. Hallelujah. He didn't have the external condition. He maintained his internal position. Now, those are believers. How in the world? See, they didn't forget where their blessings came from. You see, I believe Daniel and those three Hebrew boys remembered when they refused to take part in the king's portion. And how God separated them from everybody else. How God was true to them. Even This is why I tell you, wherever you are in your state of life, states change. If you make provision for God now, wherever you are, you position yourself better for the next transition, for the next phase. Don't waste this phase. Because when the opportunity comes, if you have not been with God, you're going to go buck wild. Your flesh is going to go wild. You will not reap the benefits of having God with you. How do we forget where our blessings come from? Amen. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I'm telling you, this is, this is what man does. Romans chapter 1. Turn there very quickly. We can start out in the right position and still end up in the wrong position. 
You see, God doesn't change, but we do. That's the problem. That's the issue. That's why he says, I'm with you while you're with me. He says, I'm not going anywhere, but you are subject to change. You're subject to change positions. Now, you can say, thank God all you want to, but that, that, that does not mean, you know, after you receive the Grammy. I want to thank the Lord. You know you have not been with him and he's not been with you. But you have an expectation. Oh, my goodness. Romans chapter 1, verse. Here's the evidence that you're forgetting God. You live in your sealed houses. Your barns are full. But his house lies in ways. They got to beg you to keep the lights on. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Don't be plain. <laughs> they got to beg you to make rent for the month. And you suck up all the heat. Suck up all the air. Take advantage of every activity that goes on in that place. And you live in your sealed houses. And your barns are full. But you get irritated when they mention money. Romans chapter 1. You know, y'all, are, y'all are keeping me behind where I need to be. <laughs> y'all are something else. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. This, this is, you can read this for yourself. This goes over Israel's history. He's dealing with Israel because Israel was the chosen of God. But Israel does what man does. And there's the cycle of man. Verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they at one time knew God, but they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. They started out with God, recognizing Him as God, but somewhere along the lines, they were no longer thankful to God. That's just what man does. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Turn there quickly. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse number one. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Why? Because this is the cycle of man. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. That's the reprobate condition of man. It includes being unthankful. Hmm. Wow. And I want you to understand this. It is not about the external. You externally can say, praise God. Bless God. The Lord is good. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But how have you ordered your life? This is why I tell you, don't let your youth be your undoing. Because there are certain things that come with the wonderful, fearful way that he made you. Strength comes with you. <laughs> and now, if, if, drugs, if you're not on drugs and alcohol, your mind ought to be sharp as well. 
So you can think of witty things. And those things may take you so far in this world. But don't confuse having good with being good. Because the truth is, and you will know the truth whether or not you have the assurance of his presence. See, because we have churches who won't talk about how they're with God. They'll talk about how much money they make, how big their church is, how many people are in. That is not the assurance of his presence. When it should be righteousness. See, the kingdom of God is not a meat and drink. But righteousness. Peace. Enjoying the Holy Ghost. Amen. Righteousness and peace have kissed. They go one with another. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find. Mm. Ah, Let's start at verse 14. Well, let's back up a little bit. Let's start at verse 11. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. And not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Don't forget God. Obey. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied. And all that thou hast is multiplied. Then thine heart be lifted up. And thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt. From the house of bondage. And jump down to verse 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. And he did it for a purpose. That he may establish his covenant. Which he swore unto thy fathers as it is this day. And it shall be if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God. And walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. But we'll say, I'm not serving other gods. I'm not worshiping I'm sorry, but if you're not with him, you're serving another God. You're worshiping another God. I, I know in our civilized conditions, when we talk about Romans 1 and 21, that's the condition of man. You know, we keep saying we're more and more civilized year by year, century by century, while we forget God more and more. So all of our civilized selves doesn't mean a thing. So in our civilized ways, we push God out, but keep him in our mouth. And it shall be, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. (laughs) God is just being plain with like, hey, I'm on your side. You walk away from me. There is death waiting for you. He says it his way, but he says, my presence is better. My presence is better. Look at this. So we put God first. We need to put God first. Can we say that? We need to put God first. We put God first when we organize our life to put God first. 
hear me, hear me. Here, here's where the rubber meets the road. We put God first when we organize our life to put God first. It is the determined and purpose organization of my life for availability for God. I purpose because I've determined I'm going to be with him so that he can be with me. I have determined and purpose I'm going to organize my life for availability for him. Also, I may be available for the weak, the poor, the oppressed, the hurting, And catch this now. And the church. Now, 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 ooh, yes, thank you, thank you. You you know, the church is not a charity. That shouldn't be your mind about the church. The church is a charitable organization. Chew on that for a while. See, because when I said, and the church, don't count them as the oppressed. Don't count them as the poor. Don't count them as the weak. The church is the one who clothes the naked, who feeds the hungry, who heals the broken hearts. Uh, you understand me? And so now I'm going to organize my life to make sure that the church is taken care of. Because therein, God is pleased because that's His house. I know you live in your sealed houses, but show this house lying waste. No, you don't understand this, do you? You don't get involved, but you live in your sealed house And God is saying, I want to walk with you, but you're not walking with me, and you're limiting me in your life. And when that happens, not only you suffer, but other people do as well. Wow. (laughs) Am I going to do this? I'm not going to. I'm going to. I'm going to. Read just a couple more scriptures and I'm going to stop. I, 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 oh, my goodness. Y'all got me going now. So you got me revved up. I got to calm on down. But how do I put God first? I put Him first when I organize my life to put Him first. It is the determined and purpose organization of my life for availability for God. Also, I may be available for the weak, the poor, the oppressed, the hurting, the hungry, and the church. We don't need your charity. We need you to be charitable. Look at this in Zechariah. You know, brother is wrong. Brother is just cold wrong, isn't he? Haggai. Zechariah. You know, Zechariah is right next door to Haggai. You found it before. You can find it again. Glory be to God. (laughs) Zechariah chapter 7. See, because see, I'm convinced too many in the Christian community today do not know God. I'm telling you, we're sitting out there decreeing and declaring for ourselves. You know, but I don't hear anybody, I decree and declare I am going to be charitable toward the church. I decree and declare I'm going to make myself available for God. We don't talk, I decree and declare whatever covetous thing comes to my mind. 
I heard the song today, it hurt my heart. You don't even understand how it hurt my heart. My goodness. And basically what the song was saying, what comes to your mind? And they didn't say it this way, but they said, big, big, big. Oh, it can't be small. This was the Christian community. They have an expectation of God that what comes to my mind, He's going to do for me and make it big. That's the expectation. But it came from your mind. And you did not seek it if it was God's will. And I guarantee you, they weren't talking about feeding the hungry. They weren't talking about clothing the poor. They were talking about their covetous plans. But that's the Christian community today. And they expect God is with them. He's going to bless their endeavors when they don't have the assurance of His presence. I'm sorry. Calm down. Zechariah chapter 7. Did you find it? If not, I'll read it for you. Verse number 9. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts. This is God speaking. This is what God is about. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, and show mercy, and compassion every man to his brother. And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor. And let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. He mentions nothing about our covetous desires. What he gives us is his heart. Let me read this again. This is God's heart. Execute true judgment. Show mercy and compassions every man to his brother. Oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor. And let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. If he's not thinking about you, he's thinking about others who need. Others who do not have. And he commands you to walk a certain way. Ooh, let me go here. You see, because here's the thing about organizing your life. Let me tell you this. The church is going to tell you how to live. I know, I know, I understand that. You can't tell me how to No, the church is going to, you need to get over it. The church is going to tell you how to live. Now, telling you how to live does not mean what house you're going to buy, one story or two story, on the east side or the west side. It doesn't mean what kind of couch you're going to have. doesn't mean what, what hairdo you're going to get. We're not telling you stuff like that. What we're going to tell you are the parameters you need to stay within so that you can remain with God. This is why we tell you, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We just told you how to live. We say, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband. We just told you how to live. We say, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved. We just told you how to live. We told you to give and tithe and all. We just told you how to live. And you know what you do? You do what you want to do. But you... hmm. You reap what you sow. And then we get mad at the church. See, just like Asa did, we get mad at the seer. Hananiah, you got your mind. God is going to bless me. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if God's word is true. 
Or we'll see if all men are liars and God alone is true. We'll see. I'm telling you, sometimes when people let the doorknob hit them, with the good Lord split them, everybody stands up and applauds. That's one less troublemaker we have to worry about. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's, that's not the nice message, is it? But it's the truth. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 58. Again, this is, this, is, this is just God. This is who God is, alright? It's not about us. It's about Him. So when we organize our life for availability to God, it's not going to be about you. Hmm. When is it my time? It's not going to be your time. See, that's the attitudes we have in the Christian community. We don't know our God. Isaiah 58, verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression. And the house of Jacob, their sins. Ooh, get this. Yet they seek me daily. And delight to know my ways. Do you get He is saying, they seek me on a regular basis. Somebody needs to tell them about themselves. Somebody needs to tell them what they got wrong. But they're seeking me. But they're in the wrong position. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Oh my goodness, do you hear him say this? Now, I'm telling you right now, God's not pleased with them. What he's saying, he is saying from the attitude of how dare they. How dare they come approach me and expect that I'm going to do something for them when they're in their transgression and they're in their sin. Do you see the people's perspective now? They think they're all right. They think they have some evidence that they're all right. And it cannot be the assurance of his presence. It's got to be external. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinances of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and, they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, this is God talking now, in the day of your fast you find pleasure and exact all your labors. Uh, you didn't hear God there. See, why do we fast? We fast so that we might hear God clearly. And if we hear God clearly, you know what we need to do? If we want the assurance of his presence, we need to obey. <laughs> so at the end of the fast, we should hear what God wants from us and get busy doing what God wants us to do. But God said at the end of your fast, you get up and do your plan. I'm going to open up a shop. I'm going to call it Jehovah Jireh, whatever. And God is like, you're wrong. 
Here we go again. Expectations of God without the assurance of His presence. Verse 4, Behold, you fast, and then you get up and you have strife and debate. And a smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day and make your voice to be heard on high. That's not how it works. Is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Would thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? God says, is not this the fast that I have chosen? Here should be the end of it all. To loose the bands of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. And to let the oppressed go free. And that ye break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? And that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him. And that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Do you hear what God is saying? If you're going to be with me. You have to be about my business. So if I'm going to be with God, I have to organize my life to make myself available for Him. And I'm going to tell you right now, I I hate to bust your bubble, it's going to include a church you're supposed to be a member of. You've got to organize your life. Hmm. Because when you do that, if you're going to be available for God, He has done it through His house called the church. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me. You know what he anointed the Lord to do? His will. So here's the will of God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That work has started and it has not finished. That's where God is walking. If we're going to make provision for God in our life and we're going to walk with Him, we have to organize our life. And let me tell you where these works come from. These works, I know you can say, I can do these works at home. That's not what God has ordained for you to do. He's ordained a community, a body of believers called the church. And therein, let me tell you this. This is why it's so important that you miss no teachings. But God has a function for you. And you don't learn to be functional until you walk in what you've been taught in the local church. And that's where the good works of the Master emanate from. Let me tell you this. This is the thing about it. Because you might have something in your mind saying, you know what? The church is not doing this. Let me give you something. Let me just give you a little something. You'd be surprised that the pastor didn't come up with every idea. You'd be surprised that God would move on a member of the ministry 
and they would bring what God has placed on their heart to the leadership of the ministry. And God would confirm with the leadership of the ministry, this is me, and we start doing it. So in your mind, you think, well, they're not doing it. Well, if you have something that's of God, bring it to the church. And I'm out of time. But you know what? God is faithful. God is ever faithful. I'm telling you this. We're off balance today as a whole. And you should thank God for a ministry that is teaching sound, solid doctrine. Because when it's all said and done, trust me. Wow. When it's all said and done, when you have the assurance of his presence, you can be a Daniel too. You can be a Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael too. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can be a Gideon too. You can be a... Mo- you can be... Wow. You can be a signpost for Jesus. You can be called a friend of God in spirit and in truth. Hmm. I, again, it, it gets me. Daniel prayed and the answer came right away. That was held up. And the angel came and said, hey, as soon as you prayed, I was coming. <laughs> that comes when you walked with him. When you stayed with him. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. Remember what he told Asa. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole of the earth, seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. Wherever you are right now, I'm telling you, if you've been walking with him, you're in the best place in the universe. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.